Welcome to Stories Jesus Told, a podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Fresh Dot, Wisconsin. Here is Trinity's Rick Adams and Pastor Carl Landbauer. Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome back to another week of podcasts. Um, I'm here today with our senior pastor, Carl Landbauer. Good to be back, Rick. How are you? I'm great. And uh, this week, Parable of the Unmerciful Servant. Uh, it's a great parable. There's so much to pull from it. And the texts that we'll be looking at this week are all going to speak to that idea of forgiveness and being forgiven and the debt that has been paid on our behalf. So uh, our text today, as we get started, is from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 6 to 8. So Pastor Carl, why don't you start us out? Yeah, I'll read those words. Isaiah writes, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. For context, as I was looking at this, when we look at the previous verse, or the preceding verse, uh, verse 5, you come to help, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? And then, that takes us into our text for today. Um, and it's certainly a text that I can relate to because we, we tend to get, I tend to get frustrated in the fact that we just continue to sin, <laughs> even though we know that uh, we're not supposed to do these things. And we, yet we've been forgiven. When's the change of behavior going to come? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The lifelong struggle for the for the follower of Jesus is a battle against sin that that isn't going to end until that day when Jesus returns. Um, although we certainly don't lessen the effort. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at the context as well. Just that little snippet by itself uh, certainly helpful as we get back into the, the parable. Uh, but it, it does help to get that bigger picture. And in the the rest of the chapter, you see kind of this longing for relationship with God. Yeah. And the chapter begins with a cry that God, that you would rend the heavens and come down, um, that you would, you would come be among us, that you would go back to doing awesome things. Uh, like we remember in the stories our ancestors told us and, and then the problem, there's a sin that stands between us and you. And that sin, uh, causes him to get to that point where he's like, is salvation really even possible? Because of the sin. Exactly. Yeah, that's that, that phrase in the last part of verse 5 is, how then can we be saved? Yeah. For this writer, for Isaiah, it seemed impossible. And yet when you talk about rending the heavens and coming down, mm. it's exactly how God solved Israel's problem, how God solved our problem. Yeah. Yes. Literally, heaven came to earth yeah. in Jesus. Yeah. 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 So I'm looking at verse 6 here and I'm seeing this. Uh, description of what our sins are like, one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are as filthy rags. 
We shrivel up like a leaf and the wind, like the wind, our sins sweep us away. I think about, you know, I was just remarking about looking outside the windows here. We're recording today from Mike Trinkline's beautiful home in Grafton. And I'm looking out the window and I just, I'm seeing a beautiful summer day. But I'm conceiving of what it must look like in October mm. with the colors and everything. We usually think of fall and the the leaves browning and dying is a beautiful thing. But in this text here, uh, our sins die like, like an October leaf or like a November leaf when it's not so attractive anymore. And we're mm. just annoyed by them and we rake them up and burn them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is that side of fall too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a reminder uh, of the way that our iniquities, our, our sins, um, they make us so transitory. Our iniquities, like the wind, take us away, is the way the ESV puts that. Uh, that we have, we don't have a right to eternity, um, no. and certainly not to to life and salvation. And that's that's really what Isaiah is driving home here. Um, we've become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds. That not just the bad ones, the best works that we can put together yeah. are like a polluted garment and um, incredibly humbling, which is the right place to start when we think about forgiveness. Because before we're able to, to forgive others, we need to take to heart how we have been forgiven. And uh, I, I like, too, just the, the humbling nature of this, because I think oftentimes we think of forgiving others as um, kind of a good work that we must do. And here's Isaiah pointing out that our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. The best forgiveness you can muster inside yourself is is not the the, the forgiveness that's really needed. Even that falls short. And and so um, the parable, the the servant who needs to forgive his fellow servant, the power to do that comes from him looking not at his fellow servant, not looking at himself. He needs to be looking at what the king has done for him. Yes. And that's what's missing. And in the same same way for us, this this passage, it humbles us so that we'll turn our eyes to to Jesus and turn our eyes to God who has forgiven us so uh, so immeasurably. Right. Right. In the NIV, verse seven has this phrase, You have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sin. Um could you help explain what that phrase means, that God has hidden his face? I, I'm guessing that it's not that God doesn't want to be seen, but rather that we refuse to see him, or in our sins we refuse to see him. Could you maybe explain that phrase from verse 7? Um, well, I can take a shot at it, although I didn't, I didn't prepare for that question, so <laughs> it's, just, it's just my best effort. This is real, real-time podcasting. That's folks. right, yeah, we're not, this is not just not a rehearsed. show here, this is, this is a real conversation. Um, but yeah, and as, I, as I think about that, you've hidden your face from us. Um, well, you think about like the face uh, Moses would be in the presence of God, and, yeah. and he would walk away, and his face would shine so unbearably that Moses had to hide his face, and that's just the reflected glory of God. So if we are in our sin and our, our iniquity, um, in the presence of the holiness of God, it's going to destroy us. Right. And so I, I would say that the hidden the hiddenness of God's face, uh, maybe uh, one way to put it would be is a necessity or a mercy to us. 
because we need those iniquities to be dealt with right. if we're able to be in the presence of God. So that would be my that would be my instinctive. Yeah, I, that. I like that. And actually, how that verse starts, it, it's kind of calling out Israel for the sin of not calling on God's name. Mm-hmm. You know, no one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. I love that phrase to strive to lay hold mm-hmm. of God. That is truly a mark of a disciple, is it not? To strive to lay hold of God. Mm-hmm. And yet in Israel at this time, nobody is doing that. Right. And to not call upon God's name, I think about you know, times when you hear people maybe will use prayer as a last resort. Mm. Uh, when all else fails, then pray. When in actuality, that should be the, your very first measure is to go to the Lord in prayer. Yeah. Or else we treat God... In a, in, in a less than respectful way by referring to him as the big man upstairs or, you know, something like that. In, instead of having that that uh, intimate relationship that he desires to have. I also wanted to ask you about how in verse 8 that we see like this complete abrupt 180 degree turn, right? Because in verses 6 and 7, there's a lot of bemoaning of the unrighteousness of Israel. And then you get this incredible uh, mark of optimism on Isaiah's part. Yet, O Lord, you are our Mm -hmm. Father. And I see whenever the name of the Lord is capitalized the way that it is, you want to explain to our listeners what that means when we see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D? Sure, yeah, that, that means that the Hebrew word behind Lord is the name of God, the personal name of God, Yahweh as opposed to the Hebrew word that means actually Lord. So when you see the, the all capitalized letters for Lord, uh, that tells you this is a relationship moment. Yes. God is using his His relationship name uh, as opposed to just saying, I'm the one who's in charge. That's a different word. It's also it's Adonai. It's another Hebrew word that we know. Uh, but, but here in this passage, now, O Yahweh, you are our Father. That is an incredible statement. Right. And it's one of the few places in the Old Testament, too, where we, we get the language that Jesus turns into our language of prayer. Mm-hmm. If it were not for Jesus teaching us to pray, um, who would conceive a, imagine saying to the creator of the universe, you're my dad, you're yeah. my father. That's right. insane. But that, what, a, what a statement of faith for Isaiah to yeah. say, oh, in the midst of this sin, you are our father. And he can say that because of God's covenant promise to Israel through Abraham. You know, they're clinging to that in the spite, in spite of their sinfulness, in spite of their, their lack of obedience. Uh, he is rightly claiming the status of an heir here. Yeah. Well, and, and fulfilled fully in Jesus. In Jesus, I mean, yeah. it's, it's only through being one with Christ. The only, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Right. The rest of us are adopted through Christ. And so, you know, the, the fullness of what that word means is going to be realized through Jesus uh, for Old Testament as well as for New Testament yeah, uh, yeah. believers. Um, and that that reminds me of something else, too, that it just when you were talking before about the, the striving or ESV said, um, there is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you. Uh, that, that kind of language uh, also is dependent on the work of the Trinity. In this case, the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it possible for us to to pursue God. That's why no one's doing it, right? Because it's not in us to seek God. It's not in us to strive to lay hold of him. It's in God's spirit whom he has given us right. as a gift. 
And lest you think that these words from Isaiah from 700 BC uh, don't apply to us today, uh, consider that phrase in verse 8, we are all the work of your hand, and how Paul said almost the exact same thing in Ephesians 2, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. And so I would just want to encourage our listeners today as disciples of Jesus, consider the fact that you are a workmanship of God, a a masterpiece Mm -hmm. of God, that he has allowed you to awaken today Mm -hmm. to fulfill his purposes. Yeah. Yeah, it's reaching back into last week a little bit to do this, but it, it calls to mind... Um, that Isaiah sees this moment, how sinful and broken he is, his people are, all the separation with God. And then it's like, but God, you're our father. And and so since we are the work of your hand, we can come home. You know, no matter how yeah. broken, yeah. no matter how far, no matter how uh, much we've, we've messed up, we can come home. You're our father. All right. Well, we've been using the... Rejoice, repent, request motif uh, throughout these weeks of our podcast. So let's revisit that now. And uh, as we look at this text from Isaiah 64, I think it's a it's a rather obvious thing for us to see what we need to repent of. With Israel, we need to repent of the fact that we have not done our, our Father's will. Yeah, we've become the unclean for sure. Yeah. And I think uh, even... A step further in that verse six, too, uh, we can repent um, of of considering our righteous deeds to be impressive in any sense before yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. When in fact the distance between who we are and who we were created to be is is far beyond what we estimate it to be. And you alluded before when you shared with us the idea of having that covenant name for God, Yahweh, that. We can rejoice in the fact that we have a relationship with a God who desires to have a father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship with his children. Yeah. He's very accessible and very approachable. Yeah. I, I st- it just blows me away every time I think about it. Mm-hmm. To have that kind of relationship with the Creator, yeah, we should rejoice in that <laughs> moment by moment and day by day. I suppose we will for all eternity. Yeah. We'll just rejoice. And that leaves us with request. And as we look at this text... Uh, what are some thoughts of requests that we can make of God? Well, I mean, we're well-trained as Lutherans to, to keep requesting forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. We keep, keep coming back. We know, we know God's answer is always yes, but that request for forgiveness that we make week after week in worship is, is certainly warranted and uh, something that, like, like Luther says, daily contrition and repentance, daily being sorry for your sins and turning away, uh, there's a request implied in that, that who I was yesterday will not be who I am tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you alluded earlier to the lifelong battle that we have with sin, but that doesn't mean no progress, right? It, we continue to do battle and ask for God to um, to change us, to form in us the image of Christ. After all, we are the clay and he is the potter, just like Isaiah pointed out here. He can yeah. do that. I, again, I have to just kind of move move off the reservation here briefly as our as our time is running out. We look at a request passage. It's in the following verse as this text goes beyond verse eight into verse nine. I just I'm looking at this here and it says, "Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are your people." And so our request is that God would remember uh, 
um, us as his people, people that he's already uh, sent Jesus to be our atoning sacrifice for. And so I think yeah. that perhaps ties yeah. a bow on this one. Yep, yep. Requests to which we know God's answer yeah. is yes, which is a beautiful thing. Grant us forgiveness. Look upon us with your favor. And he says, I will and I do for the sake of Jesus. All right. Well, our time is up. We are so grateful that you spent some time with us again today. We pray that this podcast would serve as a means to spur you on to having your own conversations at home using this text or any of the other ones that you come across in the Stories Jesus Told devotional. Uh, Until tomorrow, uh, wish you all of God's peace and blessings, and we'll see you then. Have a great day.